Welcome to the Key of Life podcast, a show where we explore the limitless creative potential that exists within our human life, from birth to death, ancestry, and everything in between. Every human holds a key that opens a door of possibility to create, sustain, and transform within ourselves and with others. When we share our keys, we create deeper access to the keys within ourselves and open the doors of remembrance within others. I'm your gatekeeper and guide, Nanadua L. Hogg. Let's open the door together. Hello and welcome to the Key of Life podcast. Today we have Kelty with us. She is an herbalist, an artist. She is a mom and just like... I love her, like overall, like sweet human being. And I'm so excited to have this conversation with her. We're going to be exploring the world of herbalism and human plant relationships and all of that good stuff. So welcome, Kelsey, and let the people know who you are and all of that stuff. So good to be here. Um I'm very much feeling in my role of mother right now because mm. I'm a, a young toddler. He's three and I'm about to, I'm in the birth portal, essentially. I could give birth anytime. So I am first and foremost a mother. Um, and I'm also a herbalist. And that is a designation that came to me, like from within myself, you know, mm. someone else never told me, oh, Kelty, you're a herbalist, you know, like I was able to kind of like through the last over a decade of my life and my this kind of unfolding of my relationship with plants start to come closer and closer to embodying this title of herbalist, you know, which could have all sorts of different like designations or or meanings that people might ascribe to it. But for me, I'm I'm just a herbalist because I'm a, I'm a plant person. I'm a person that orients to the medicinal plants that grow around me and um, that are like companions in my daily life. And I think it's as simple as that. Beyond that, I live on a small little uh, homestead with my fiance, husband, man, lover, <laughs> <laughs> Nate, and our son, and we're we're growing a permaculture like forest garden and a big huge herb garden and orchard and kind of living outside of city life and being able to sustain ourselves more like from our own garden so that's like a big part of that's that's a lot of who I am to start things off (laughs) amazing I love that you mentioned that you know, this, this herbalist, it wasn't like something someone told you that you were, or that you, you were like, actively like, I am, I will be the herbalist. It was like, really something within you. And I think I can relate to that as well. Just like my own journey with herbalism and stuff like that is growing up in a family and in a culture that like really works with herbs primarily and is like, it's the overarching like, oh, if you like if something happens, like, you know, drink some tea, you know, it's like very much ingrained in like my ancestral and cultural practice. So I can definitely relate to it's just something that's within you and, you know, living 
living with the plants that are around you and, you know, interacting with the plants that are around you as well. And I love the word that you use, like orienting with the plants around you. And if you wouldn't mind speaking to that a bit more and um, your journey with, you know, orienting to the plants and discovering the plants. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'll just reflect a little bit back to you. I feel like it's such a blessing to grow up with that as just part of the the backdrop of your life of, you know, make a tea, like maybe take a tincture. You know, mm-hmm. I'm so happy that that's what my son is growing up with now. And that's what I truly believe is that we all are herbalists in a sense, mm-hmm. that we all have this innate natural ability to just understand and connect to plants and be in like companionship with them and 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 invite their healing into our lives and not necessarily in this like it is profound but not necessarily in this like profound way it's just a very simple everyday act and that's how it becomes that sounds like kind of the upbringing that you had is it, it's just it's this part of daily life is having these herbs on your shelf in your kitchen at hand and that's that's what I want for everybody mm-hmm. you know and that's that's kind of part of my mission is for everybody to feel comfortable at that level and then of course there's times when you would seek out the assistance of someone with more complex knowledge like a like a, a healer, a medicine woman, somebody who really has spent like their life devoted to plant medicine. But I focus so much of my work right now on helping people feel comfortable having that, that like herbs in their daily life, in the landscape of their daily life. And I mean, in terms of how I have oriented to herbs, I was thinking about this and I, I don't have a particular like I don't have like an origin story with herbs that's really clear it kind of I feel like they just kind of came in and I can't I can't like pinpoint a moment where all of a sudden this was what I was doing you Mm -hmm. know I have I have like I like my parents raised us like fairly naturally but herbs weren't a big part of of our like health orientation they were there for sure but not really. And I spent a lot of time in the forest growing up, like all of my strongest formative memories are from the forests of northern Saskatchewan, even though I grew up in, in like in Edmonton in downtown Edmonton. So I spent a lot of time like amongst the plants. And then I, you know, went to university and did some other things and came back to Canada, to Saskatchewan started living in the forest and it was sometime in there when I just started kind of hanging out with other people who knew about plants and slowly slowly they started to kind of speak to me directly Mm -hmm. a really big influence for me was going to like medicine gatherings or like herb gatherings where there's a bunch of just like plant nerds and herbalists (laughs) all hanging out together because then you get really like infused with these people that have this orientation to plants, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so that was really influential to me. And then in terms of a day-to-day orientation, 
what do I want to say about that? <laughs> I just feel like once you get to a certain intimacy with herbs, whether it's like two herbs or three herbs that you know and love and are familiar with, or you, you, you know, you have this like familiarity with dozens or hundreds of herbs, say, like once you have that orientation, they just, they just are like your friends that you would call. Like, you know, which friend you're going to call when you need to talk about a problem at work, you know, which friend you're going to call to break down how to deal with toddler meltdowns. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, which friend you need to call at different times and how they're like people or plant, how they're being, how their way of knowing and being in the world synergizes with yours to like help you process through something Mm -hmm. and that's like that's how that's how I orient to herbs I guess is like is seeing them as whole beings that have their complexities and their intricacies and their things about them that I'm never going to understand or claim to be able to describe in scientific detail you know what I mean but I know enough about them to be able to like love them and to accept their health. Mm-hmm. Wow. I loved that entire description of, and really presenting how, and you say it in your website too, about how relational it is to work with the herbs and to orient around the herbs. And I love the analogy of a friend that you call on and that's really that's really what it is and it's it's so it's so beautiful and it's so interesting even how the plants like come into your life or just like appear around you like I have a really specific remembrance of when I was like really starting because like like I said like I my herbal background is like more like Caribbean herbs, like what we use and like around in the Caribbean. So it's like, I know specific like Caribbean herbs that are really good for like certain things. And like the story of when I started to orient around like, okay, like what's in like uh, Southern Ontario <laughs> that's around me, <laughs> you know, um, a story that really sticks out to me is when I was exploring making flower essences and stuff like that there was um, a specific flower that was growing in the front yard of this rental that I was living at called silverweed or like cinquefoil. And it's this yellow five petaled flower. And at that time, I was really working through a lot of things with like, you know, standing and being confident and like really speaking my truth about stuff, like especially in the home I was in because there were some differences in opinions with um, (laughs) certain things that were happening (laughs) over the past few years. And I remember just making a flower essence with this flower and like not even knowing anything about it before I made it. I just wanted to try making flower essences and then going back and like looking at, okay, like what do they say this flower essence is like quote unquote good for? I was like, wow, this is perfect. And it was growing right in my front yard. So I think the point that I wanted to make here is not only do we call on these plants, but like these plants call on us too, in a way. And I think it's so beautiful. And my question to you, because I know that you were sort of 
um, talking about that and how, you know, you the plants kind of came into your life. So I'm wondering, do you have a specific remember or remembrance of a specific plant that really came to you in those like initial phases of when you were really getting into herbalism and stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I probably have a number of stories. And I love those stories and all people who connect to plants have a story like that of a herb showing up and being just what they needed. It, it, it always happens. And it's just a matter of our perception and recognizing it for what it is, you know? And um, as far as like all that's flooding me right now is like the image of the rose. I feel like the rose is is probably no I always I'm always like the rose is my favorite herb or like I, but that's what I say every time I'm like this is one of my favorites this is one of my favorites like you know I just have a lot of best friends who are plants um, <laughs> yes <laughs> but rose has been there all along like and I love starting with rose when I'm teaching others as well because it's very recognizable it's a very gentle herb like roses for everyone and you know children like children can easily identify it adult like it's just a e it's like an easy to know welcoming herb besides the thorns but you know that just encourages like softness and slowness when you're approaching and actually in the physical connection with rose and I don't I'm like not even having a particular story come up I'm just like flooded with the feeling of being among roses and how it's like this feeling that I've known for my whole life like I grew up in Alberta right like in Edmonton so it's like wild rose country I mean I think that's still like the slogan of Alberta and you know I just remember like the smell of roses in in June when they're blooming on summer solstice it just is like it's so much a part of the fabric of who I am mm -hmm. that that I can't like I can't I guess I can't really imagine who I would be like without rose so yeah that's that's my story <laughs> not so much a singular event as just like a lifetime of attraction Mm -hmm. and mutual connection to this plant yeah I love that story so much and it's making me think of like hmm like what did what made me feel like that and for me what's coming up is like time and like time was always something that we like grew in our house we have a specific variation of time in the Caribbean we call it like big leaf time but it's like they call it like broadleaf time here I think it's just like always been like a part of our cooking. Like I literally like I it's like I can't cook anything without putting time in it. And just like the smell of like rubbing your hands against it and just like sniffing your hands. And I think that was a really big one for me. And I'm looking at this as like a really good example of how people can sort of like get acquainted with like, how can I do this for myself? Like, okay, well, what plant? are you continuously drawn to that's around you and you know like maybe developing a relationship with that plant a little bit further and specifically like working with that plant with like only that plant or like combining other stuff with the plant and just like seeing how your relationship grows and yeah I was just gonna say that it's like it's a teaching that I was given from one of my herbal 
mentors, Richard Walker, that I pass on to anyone that I teach, which is that it's better to know a few herbs really well, really intimately, than it is to know a lot of herbs more superficially. And I love what you said about really having this these connections and relationships with these Caribbean herbs mm-hmm. um, and your ancestral homeland and just the familial continuity of you know generations and generations knowing these same herbs like mm-hmm. I truly believe some of that knowledge just is in is in you and then you get it like in the physical when as you're growing up and you smell these things and they're in your food and they're in your teacup and when somebody is really not sure how to orient I say well like look at the herbs that grow around you that's like always the first thing I suggest and don't get overwhelmed by the literal thousands of herbs that there are in the world you know and people have come to me and like do you know about this random herb that grows in like the Indian subcontinent and I'm like no I've never even heard of that before (laughs) you know and I'm like and I'm not like trying to be like the herbalist that's just not my way I'm not trying to be the herbalist who knows every herb on the planet and like there's virtue in that sure because like the diversity and the variety is amazing but the gift of the earth is that we have all of what we need growing around us. And whether it's through this like ancestral connection, I find a lot of herbalists also find a deep connection to herbs that grow where their ancestors are from, if they're not still living in that place. Or if it's like the land that you are a part of and able to walk through the seasons with, like walk through the seasons of the same seasons that the plants are experiencing. Like those are my two main kind of orientation points, I guess. And I truly think that knowing a herb intimately, like like you said, is a foundation that then you can repeat that same kind of like pattern with more herbs when you want to like broaden your scope of, of knowledge. But it's like, it's quite a simple thing. And lots of the herbs that I work with in my, in my practice right now are like considered actual weeds <laughs> and there's a virtue in that too, because there's herbs that are like kind of more precious because they are rare or they grow in really specific circumstances. So you don't want to like use a lot of them because some of them, you know, especially with like the explosion in herbal medicine, some of these herbs are getting like way over harvested, totally depleted, not at all respected for their like right to a livelihood outside of just serving us as humans. Right. Yes. Um, and so a lot of like the teas that I make, the orient, like the basis of these teas are like nutritive herbs, like nettle, alfalfa, red clover, oat straw. And these, these are herbs that most people consider to be weeds and they grow like really, really abundantly. And there's like a message in that for us that these are herbs that there's an abundance of and therefore we can use them in a more bountiful way, I mm-hmm. guess. In a more respectful way as well. And I love that you brought up too that like plants are beings like they like you said, they have a right to a livelihood outside of serving us. And I think with this boom in herbal medicine, like what I see a lot of is like the disrespect of plants and just like thinking about them as like non-living entities you know, just like something you can use for, okay, I'm using it for whatever I need it for now. And then like, okay, bye, you know, like, no, this is the whole 
being like <laughs> this is a living being <laughs> you know as much as yeah. people want to pretend that you know oh like it's less sentient than than you know mammals and whatever like I don't personally believe that I personally believe they are diff like they're sentient in a different way <laughs> which and it doesn't mean that they're less sentient or more sentient or whatever than any other being they are a living part of the earth and part of like our day-to-day lives and they should be treated as such they should be treated as as you mentioned before our friends you know our allies and I know some people treat (laughs) their quote-unquote friends like this but as a general principle you know like we don't abuse and disrespect our friends you know and Mm -hmm. again to, to speak to the abundance aspect of that as well is that these quote-unquote weeds that are in more abundance, I think that's like more of an invitation for us to to interact with them. Like maybe something's happening on the planet right now to where these plants are like <laughs> what we need to be interacting with and they're showing up for us to do that, you know? And Totally. It's like the analogy of the the dandelion like it's the most ironic thing I think like I just I I laugh at the irony of it because it's 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 you can see that the culture is slowly starting to shift around dandelions but every spring like early summer when they're in bloom you always have this cycle come up of all the people you know we like we've got an old neighbor like an elderly neighbor and he's a wonderful man but he is so pissed about the fact that we let our dandelions just go crazy and bloom on our land because then they're going to set seed and then they're going to go wreck his pristine yard and you know like I I truly wonder if continuing with him as an example like if, if his mindset could ever be fully changed you know what I mean but the dandelion is is literally showing up in this like in your face bright yellow like hey look at me style all around where we are like constantly inundated with way too much toxicity like in the air in the water in the things that we're spraying on the dandelions to try to eradicate them and dandelions are like a powerful blood purifier and liver supporter so they're when we're taking them into our bodies they're helping us rid our body of toxins it's like the perfect symbolic irony example of this Mm -hmm. that these plants are coming to us like dandelion when you walk in a forest at least around where I live dandelions are beautifully interspersed with other plants and they're not like a monocrop they're not like taking over the way that they do in a lawn where people get upset and they have to spray them like they only are growing like that in places where there's an imbalance that they're trying to to write you know and there's there's so many examples like that like but that's one that I definitely think of and I, I always when I'm teaching guaranteed every time so I teach I take people out in the forest in cities we do plant identification you know I help people learn how to make different forms of herbal medicine and guaranteed every time somebody will point at a plant and be like, what's that good for? What's this good for? You know, and this just speaks to how we, we don't have a word for like dehumanization when we do it to other than human 
beings, but we should have a word for the same thing, like dehumanizing a plant. Because I'm like, you know, what if that plant walked up to you, Susan, and was like, what are you good, good for? for? You know what I mean? Like, nobody does that. You don't go meet someone who's like, hopefully going to be your new friend and you go out for coffee and you're like, oh, I'm excited to meet you. And then you just sit down and it's like, what are you good for? Like, how can I use you? Right? Like, yeah. So it's like, so it's like, like, right? Unless you're not a good person. Like, exactly. You know, some people are assholes to their friends. But if we want real relationships with plants, just to reiterate what you've said, we have to have full relationships with them. And that requires going beyond the like Western medical mindset just transcribed onto herbs, which happens a lot, which is what I've done in the past, which I still do. It's part of an active reprogramming Mm -hmm. of you know not having just like a diagnostic symptom or like oh I've got a sore throat like what herb is good for that like that's still a valuable thing to do but it's a more broad like shift of our whole orientation and I don't want to just say our mindset because it's really about like actually coming out of the mind and like the intellectual orientation of memorizing chemical constituents and herbs that will interact with their bodies in particular ways and coming into like a heart-based perceptual awareness of how plants bring their full energy and just their full way of being in the world into entrainment with ours and so when we Mm -hmm. think about it just on like that really physical level we're just we're getting such a small piece of what's possible from our relationship or interactions with plants. So we're, we're denying ourselves something. And I also feel like we're denying the plants Mm -hmm. something when we don't seek to have a broader, like heart energetic connection to the plant. I totally agree. And looping back to like the dandelion story, it is such a perfect example. And, you know, if you go, go at this from like, an ecosystem like a biology ecosystem sort of level you know like everything works to balance everything out in an ecosystem and I think because of you know the rise of modern society and whatever quote unquote a lot of people have forgotten that they are still a part of the ecosystem of the planet right mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for the for the dandelion example these dandelions are balancing something out in the ecosystem that is imbalanced, whether it be like the chemicals in the air, like you pointed out, or like even the chemicals in the human body that are like messed up. Because ultimately, when one thing is balanced out, then they can also be balanced. And it's it's always this like give and take, you know, um, which is why I yeah. love when you mentioned too that you know we're denying ourselves something and we're denying the plant something too like when we deny totally. ourselves of that recalibration and that harmony with the earth we're we're like allowing um i forget what i mentioned first but like bottom line is when we allow ourselves to harmonize with the earth we allow the earth to harmonize too because that's such a it's a given totally take. that's that's such a beautiful that's such a beautiful like way to reflect it and yeah I'm just thinking about neighbor Ron with his pesticides you know I'm like who's more tenacious ultimately 
like the dandelions or Ron? Because I think it's the dandelions. I think the dandelions are are so determined um, that they're gonna like ultimately that that seeking that they they're doing to try to rebalance the ecosystem. It will supersede the like egoic actions of humans. It will succeed. You know what I mean? And yeah, sometimes I just imagine plants like lovingly shaking their heads at us. <laughs> um, but I, I feel like I feel like we as humans really have to take our take our like self importance. Yep down a notch I I feel this all the time I feel this in relation to so many things plants for sure but it's like all of those experiments we do where we like where we try to control these really really complex systems by adding or removing elements Mm -hmm. it it never it never sits right to me there's always some repercussion that we could never foresee because we don't have we don't we're not like we don't have an ecological mindset we don't think in terms of ecosystems we think in terms of like cause and effect and if we do this one thing it will have this one action and nothing else will be affected or it will all predictably just like fall into place as we as we expected and in terms of like just the ecosystem discussion I I also thought as you were speaking about how we ourselves are an ecosystem like you know nested in broader ecosystems so we're like we're a microcosm of the macrocosm and that's a really like beautiful analogy or way to think about our bodies Mm -hmm. and that's a that's a real like seat I think of change and perceptual awareness that is like being propelled right now that is exciting because we're we're moving slowly out of like the mechanistic view of the body where we have all these different organs that like break down and can be replaced and Mm -hmm. yada 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 I know that that perception is slowly changing to a more ecological model and it's such a and when we think about our bodies in terms of being like a microcosm ecosystem in and of itself it really helps us understand how plants can interact with our bodies it's like the dandelion coming in to write an imbalance in the ecosystem and I can kind of like when I think about it, I can almost imagine my my inner, like an inner landscape and imagining dandelion like coming into full bloom in my inner landscape and what that would like feel like and how that would change me and what that would like restore the like spring energy, the like rootedness of the dandelion, that bright yellow blossom kind of like helping to revitalize, mm-hmm. you know? I like to lead people in sort of like a meditation where it's like you close your eyes and you just imagine your internal landscape and then see what like if a plant is there in abundance or if a plant like comes in all of a sudden and then just start to really like intuitively and like more poetically think of how how that plant it's symbolic or physical, biochemical, whatever healing is going to influence your ecology as opposed to, oh, you know, dandelion for the liver, which is also valuable knowledge, (laughs) but having having both, you know, so that we can shift our 
awareness away from what is this good for? Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, as you were speaking, like the words nature always wins were like coming to my brain very profoundly. And it's so true, you know, going back to the ecosystems discussion, like nature always wins. Like <laughs> the dandelions are always going to win no matter what egoic anything we're doing as humans at the end of the day the way that nature works is the way that nature works you know there's a specific design to everything and it will always win (laughs) we're in the domain of nature of like the nature of the earth so only the nature of the earth can win that's the game here that's like if you're playing a video game the nature of the earth is the rules of the video game (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I so believe that. And I feel like I totally feel that. And it gives me a sense of peace when I think about that. Like it gives me a sense of like, oh, okay. Like, you know, as far astray as we are as a culture and society, there will be a great rebalancing. And I think that yeah, we live in really hard times to grapple with these big things on just a day-to-day basis when we're going about our lives. But I feel like we're in some sort of great turning, you know, Mm -hmm. it feels like the, sometimes it feels like the earth is like spinning faster or something. It just, Oh, I can relate to that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and, and it is an unsettling feeling and everybody has, everybody has it. Like, I, I don't think that anyone is going through life right now without this like baseline unease. I really don't think that that's like, I think that that's almost a universal experience right now is a unsettled feeling. And I think we have to probably just sit with that and like talk about it and feel yeah. it out. But I also feel like there's this greater story being told that's far beyond our narrow perception of time and evolution that it brings me a sense of peace even amidst the more immediacy of the like fear and upheaval. Yeah? Yeah. Totally makes sense. (laughs) totally makes sense and it's making me also reflect on your meditation um, exploration about seeing what comes up within you when you're like exploring your internal landscape what plants just arise right and imagining how it would feel to interact and for have to have that plant grow within you I think that's really beautiful and I think that's that's something that you know, our ancestors did is like imagining how these plants would interact with them and like really communicating with them and seeing how that felt in their bodies to even be able to to select certain herbs to to like work with more intimately, etc. And it also raises through that, it also raises the <laughs> the sort of the common commonly said thing with people where it's like oh you know in this future times like we're not supposed to go back to like those times and blah 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 and like yeah like those times are a pastime and for me anyway it's like how can we 
how can we instead of going all the way back to those past times where we're only you know working with others or only doing xyz thing how can we integrate this in with our present day and also be respectful and also be in right relationship with the earth (laughs) you know because like obviously like everything's going to continue evolving evolving that's also part of nature like part of nature is to to grow and be abundant and to develop and um and transform into you know better and better versions of itself you know Mm -hmm. so how can we as humans do the same alongside nature right Mm -hmm. because it's not just us that's that's like creating these advancements and like whatever like nature is here too and is also creating advancements like these plants are also creating advancements within themselves you know and uh, evolving in their own way too and bringing it back to the friendship analogy is like you're like abandoning these super old and and like you're abandoning family members (laughs) it's like how it it makes me feel like not even friends like these these plants are our family members you know (laughs) on this planet earth and to just throw them out of the water and and just like abuse them and the what are you good foring of them (laughs) and stuff like that (laughs) is is like so removed and for me anyway the analogy that comes to mind is like enslaving these beings you know that like they're wild they cannot be enslaved you know like Mm -hmm. so and I feel like yeah I mean I feel like plants are our relations our relatives our Mm -hmm. family our friends and above all our elders Mm -hmm. and I think that I I I don't remember where I came across it, but I've, I've heard, I think from multiple places, kind of the, the idea that humanity writ large, we're like in our adolescence, like we're really just kids Mm -hmm. and we haven't grown into like, we haven't bloomed into like our adult maturity. And I kind of, as you were speaking, I was thinking about our plant relations, our elders kind of with that same way that an elder would look down upon a child as they're not look down upon, but look upon a child who's making all of the mistakes and doesn't know any better and is fumbling through to reach that level of maturity. It kind of feels like that. And, you know, we are disrespecting the plants and that happens. Our culture is so inverted. We disrespect our elders all the time. There isn't reverence and respect for like the elders just within our own species like in our culture in the same way that it is in more intact ancestral cultures or or just other cultures than my own I should talk about but I think on a more like ecological level it's like the plants are waiting for us to like grow the fuck up and treat them with respect yeah and like and you know come into this right relationship and remember like you know you were talking about like going back the term that I've started to use is like we have to remember forward Mm -hmm. and that's like to me that situates us in in like linear time in this way where we're spiraling back to the remembrance that's like in our bones in our blood in our ancestral lines in our teachings and bring that all that remembrance all of like 
the goodness of it and like alchemize it into through the present moment into a future where it's integrated with all of the evolutionary and revolutionary things of like human society and human like you know our own brilliance like I feel like often we'll get into these spirals where we're like humans suck plants are great you know like we're also brilliant and we have so many brilliant things that have like propelled so much beauty so much like justice so much like goodness like there's so much that we have that's good too and we have to like remember and carry that forward in like an integrated way Mm -hmm. yeah I love I love that remembering forward and that's really what plants do to be honest you know that's how plants evolve you know they take the information that they've gathered from like whatever season and they infuse it into the seed of the next that will grow the next season and then that seed has that remembrance (laughs) for moving forward right and it's like another thing I want to point out too is that we we love to say like again like you said like plants are the best humans suck whatever and like like to think that like you know like people who don't believe in like connecting with plants like oh the, the plants don't know us they're just there whatever like no the plants know us on a biological level because when we die we go into the earth and they take that mm. information from the soil <laughs> and they infuse it in themselves and they produce seeds from that information right mm-hmm. and that continues the remembering forward for them and that, it happens in humans, too, with our genetics and, like, the different things that we experience and transform within our lifespan and, and giving that to, like, the seed that becomes our children, etc. And in plants, I think it can be a lot more, like, clear seeing that, like, like simply because like that, like, it, it's what it's easier to recognize in like a scientific whatever blah 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 Mm -hmm. sort of way Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know I just love that analogy of like the or it's not even analogy like just but how you described the the image of a plant like gathering up the knowledge from a a season or Mm -hmm. a life and and bringing that and like encoding it into the seed it's such a beautiful symbol of like of hope you know like seeds like when I like hold seeds in my hand in the like mm-hmm. when I'm planting my garden it's like they're just vibrating yeah. you know the amount of information that's coded in those seeds is just like and it's kind of like it's kind of like children you know like being a mother now we, we like there's no mother on the planet that doesn't want better for their children than they themselves had and they're trying to again alchemize and distill all of what is good in them and suffuse their offspring with that goodness to like project it forward into this unknown future that they will never know you know like the like the poetic beauty of that and like thinking about how a a plant like a dandelion rooted you know is gonna like send off all of these seeds that are gonna stray far beyond what that you know over the over the hills over the houses to places far beyond where that particular dandelion plant will ever reach yeah it just makes me feel so much like so like beautifully connected to that process as like as a mother and witnessing it 
in plants and yeah the seasonality like you know we are talking right now a lot in like a like a linear time frame of like the past present and future and you know we tend to orient in that way and and of course we do and I I also find that every passing year I think becoming a mother definitely like changed my Mm -hmm. my whole perception of time quite a bit too but definitely my work with herbs and just being out on the land with plants every season I'm like so much more of a cyclical person a seasonal person than I ever was before that's like a huge shift that I've experienced like this past summer and like growing season and wild crafting season really kind of it caught me off guard like I wasn't I was like, how are the dandelions blooming already? How are the roses blooming already? I was, <laughs> I was kind of in this, I was, it was like I had lagged behind somehow, like my, and so, and, and, and just the like little bit of a disjointedness between myself and like the season that I was actually in mm-hmm. um, really made me aware of it, it. It, it was, it was valuable because it helped me really sense into the cyclical nature of it I was really like not because I was a little bit surprised I wasn't taking for granted that the roses were blooming all of a sudden I was like the roses are blooming again wow like you know and I'm flooded with all of like to come back to my story of the roses like it's layered and every single year a little bit more like of that relationship of being with roses when they're in bloom or at any time, you know, as the leaves start to unfurl, like some, you know, my, like one of a plant I really like, it's a less common plant. It's called Aurelia um, um, or rabbit root is the like local name for it. It comes out of the ground, like just like a little stem and it's like purple and then it unfurls and then it's like bright green all summer long. I don't know why I'm thinking about this plant all of a sudden, but it's just, I'm always in this like state of recognition and you always like learn something new through direct observation yeah with the plants and then I always like you know I know that not everybody has like necessarily like wild places they can go to regularly but it doesn't have to be some far-flung mm-hmm. like wilderness refuge where you go like it, you just have to connect to the living world that reminds you that time isn't just marching forward but in fact it's, it's spiraling and cycling all the time and the balsam buds will swell and burst again and the maple sap will flow again and the dandelions will bloom again and the Aurelia will unfurl again, you know? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's so true. And I'm, as you're speaking, I'm reflecting on even that same house that I ex- I discovered the Cincofoil at. That was in the city. Like, I lived in Toronto for a pretty long time, <laughs> you know? So it's possible. It's possible. And it's it really is what you said. It's connecting with non-linear time connecting with cycles the cycles of nature and allowing that to really orientate you and ground you because that's to me anyway such a grounding force in my life is the seasons even you know 
And another thing that was coming to mind as you were speaking about, oh, like the the roses are blooming now, is this year I was like very much so in denial that it is now winter. Like I was like not wearing my winter coat. I was like, no, I can wear my fall coat. It's fine. (laughs) You know, and it's like, no, like it's winter, you know, like surrendering to the cycle instead of, you know, sticking like being stagnant and sticking in one part of the cycle because that's not how nature works you know nature continuously cycles and continuously moves even when it's winter time it's like moving and gathering in a slower way but it's still moving and gathering and and living you know it's like the 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 word that's words are that are coming to me right now about winter is like the living death you know like like the mm-hmm. and I talked about this briefly uh, in the last podcast episode I did um, about birth being the ultimate DMT trip is that like your winter is the being awake in the dream state you know like being alive in your death <laughs> sort mm. of state and it's it really takes connecting with what is happening in these seasons and what is happening with you while these seasons are happening because like you're also moving through the seasons if you're a woman within yourself your own seasons simultaneously with the like outside seasons so it's always really cool to to notice that and then another thing connected to that that I was thinking of too when we were talking about like dandelions and how they come up in spring is like wow this like seasonal seasonal plants for the different seasons of your cycle and how to to be in relationship with these plants at different phases of your cycle as they appear in different phases of the earth cycle so yeah that was getting me curious about that too (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah I just love like the I, you know, thinking about the seasons or like cyclical living as like grounding, I've never really thought of it that way. It's such a good, like, just thing to note Mm -hmm. because absolutely it's grounding. It's particularly grounding because, well, it's in our nature to live seasonally, particularly as, as women, but everyone is, is connected to the seasons of their cycle, to the seasons of the of the earth to even just the cycle of like day and night, the circadian seasons, you know? And I think it's such a simple thing, but just the way you said it's grounding. I'm like, yeah, like it's like the most grounding thing when we also are countering that all the time with this like linear Mm -hmm. arbitrary time that our culture is, is so much made up of. And so think, you know, I'm like just thinking, Oh, I'm going to like really kind of reorient to, recognizing like the like just the innately grounding nature of seasonal living and you know winter is like an exercise in hope I think Mm -hmm. like especially this time of year um when it's just the first stirrings of spring and you have to like you you have to keenly you have to be keen to sense the subtle shifts like where I live in Saskatchewan in particular but it's pretty much across Canada too. Like our, our, our spring, summer, fall is like so short and intense compared to winter. So winter is really the, the longest season where the shifts are more subtle 
And that's like what I was saying about spring and summer and fall or like my last harvesting season. Like it just felt like it was like boom, 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 boom. And it like, and it kind of is that way. Like it's intense being a wild crafter and, and needing to harvest things at a particular time for my apothecary. Like it's, you know, if, if I'm like not kind of synced up, it's like, oh my God, I got to go harvest metal like right now. And like, just like, yeah. go, go, go. Like it's so like, it's so intense. And then winter invites like this quiet reflection and like deeper perception of like oh you know the days are getting longer oh like you know really like you can start to see like not quite this time but into like later winter the you know the really subtle shift in in plants like even just like not even necessarily like physical things that you can see with your eyes but like you can sense when a plant is in like like a tree or something that's still visible above ground you can sense when it's like in that deep deep state of like winter like hibernation and when you it's almost like you can like hear with your heart the like stirrings and like the sapwood of a tree you know and then as for like connecting seasonal to our like cycle as women with herbs I mean that's like such a such a like beautiful process you know I feel like I'm I feel like I'm a little like currently disconnected from that because I've been pregnant for so long (laughs) and I'm like in this longer cycle Mm -hmm. and when I think about it being pregnant is kind of like almost a winter season because so Mm -hmm. much is happening out of sight Mm -hmm. and there's so much so much of that like hope like hopefulness like Mm -hmm. hope is such a big part of being pregnant and that's I feel like hope is such a big part of like winter time like trusting that spring will come Mm -hmm. trusting that that the blooming will happen you know and then like as I'm thinking about it I'm like man like going through a 28-day cycle just right now for me feels like it would be like rapid fire like boom 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 like bleeding ovulating bleeding again like follicular Mm -hmm. what's going on like where am I because it does it does happen really fast and it's it can be hard for a woman to to stay I think on top of the rise and fall you know like the arcing like it feels so good once you're like entrained with it but I think at first it's it is uh or not at first it feels so good to be entrained with it maybe it's just because I'm pregnant I'm just like man the menstrual cycle wow yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and it can be really hard to sort of like grapple with and feel really sudden and quick and I, I also think that's like a reflection of how society has become, where it's like instead of really approaching the seasons as an opportunity to like discover new things and to like explore, bringing it back again to your example of like, oh, wow, the, the roses are blooming already. Oh, wow. Like, wow, the roses are blooming already, you know, like shifting like the perception I think that really plays into plays into the cycle thing too, the menstrual cycle thing. And to touch on like the seasonality and that being a grounding force too is again, and this came up <laughs> again in another podcast I did the other day too about fertility awareness method is thinking of it in the seasons grounds you because you're just observing day by day what's happening right now right 
when you're living seasonally, it's like, okay, what do I have available to me in my surroundings right now? You know, like I have the the dandelion, I have the like red clover, you know, like what is available to me? You know, what is communicating with me right now that I can work with, you know, and and not being fixated on like, you know, like this is what's going to come next. You know, I'm fixated like for example, if you have like a cherry tree, you know, like in, instead of like being like, oh, wow, like the flowers are blooming for the cherries. It would be like instead of looking at the flowers and being like appreciative, it'd be like, when are my cherries going to start producing <laughs> fruit, you know? So mm-hmm. when you when you ground yourself in the seasonality of it all, it really allows you to appreciate what you have right now and what's available to you right now. And it forces you to be respectful and relational because it's you're only looking at what's in front of you, not what's behind you, not what's like coming next. It's like what's here right now. Yeah. And then it's like it's way less anxiety inducing because mm-hmm. you're just in a state of like responsiveness and receptivity and immediate perception and reflection as opposed to like projecting and and anxiously awaiting something and coming you know coming back to like the women's cycle Mm -hmm. it's so much about listening Mm -hmm. you know and like in that same way like when you're aware and you have your perception tuned to your moon cycle it becomes very easy and habitual to to just know what you need and know what your natural expression is craving at each particular time and it becomes much easier to just respond to that than to get all heady about it and be like what am like what am I going to need in in like two weeks when I'm when I'm bleeding or whatever you just it emerges from you it's a natural and and like the real work of it is allowing like is is listening really the real work is accepting and responding and being able to say I'm going to decline that offer for whatever because I'm bleeding right now and I and I feel like I need to really rest and mm-hmm. and and be inward and I and I can't be outward um and not push through those signals and once you kind of like flip that switch it's all more easy it's all so much more easy because you're just in the flow of it just like when you're in the flow of the seasons and not resisting that it's the middle of winter and you're dressing appropriately. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And it's everything is such a reflection of everything. As we're speaking, I'm like, wow, like everything just like melts and, and sinks into everything else. And I feel like we could even apply this to like communicating with plants and and how, you know, the declining the offer thing and and like really looking at like okay you can't you can't eat a cherry well you can because of you know like factory farming and stuff now but like you can't eat a cherry <laughs> when when the when it's like just a, a cherry flower right now you know mm. um mm-hmm. and just yeah, yeah that reminds me of that reminds me of like the humbling process of the humbling experience of being told no by a plant Mm -hmm. because that happened um it totally happens I mean it's happened one time the funniest time I think that's just 
I'm being reminded of is it was early spring and my son, I think it was his first, his second spring. So he was just over a year old and I took him down in his little chariot to some Manitoba maple trees that were growing in the river valley just down from my parents' house where we were living at the time to tap because we can tap our like our local Saskatchewan or like prairie maple they're they're called Manitoba maple and they have a beautiful delicious sap you can make maple syrup out of them so anyways I'm like go to this tree and I got you know and I asked like I I like is it okay if I tap you you know can I like drill into your mark and yeah basically siphon off some of your liquid life force and I think I got a somewhat ambiguous answer, but I was like, "Mm, I got my son here. Like, you know, I'm just going to do this and whatever. And then I was, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but in the process of trying to tap this tree, I walked into a branch like, and it like, and it kind of like spring was like spring loaded and like literally slashed me across the forehead. I was bleeding from two gashes across my forehead. They weren't like gashes. They were just like big scratches. And, uh, yeah, I felt like I just got, like, mothered, like, mm-hmm. like harsh mothered, you yeah. know, from this Manitoba maple and was, like, so taken aback and was, like, whoa, um, okay, I wasn't listening. And, like, stinging nettle is another, like, example. So many people at first with stinging nettle really are, like, really perturbed, like, by the stings and, like, really put off by it. And they're, like, how could you possibly like love this herb or like you know like what do you mean stinging nettle it stings like that's all that it does but stinging nettle the stings for me over like years and years of a relationship with stinging nettle is like not only does it hardly sting anymore it's like such so softened it actually is like delightful for me to get stung by stinging nettle like I like it and I like seek out the sensation of it um there's been times when I've gone to a herb that I really want to harvest and I'm like I'm here because I like want you and need you and the plant's like nope yeah like you can't harvest me um and that's like a humbling process when when there's that really ingrained expectation that plants will serve us and mm-hmm. we you know and we we deserve like to be able to take them on our terms no matter what Yep, and it really boils down to the like I keep saying it, but like we both keep saying it, but like the relationship aspect of it too, you know. And every living being has a right to protect themselves and a right to have boundaries, <laughs> including yeah. plants. And yeah, that makes me think of so many things. <laughs> to be honest. It makes me think about how certain plants will all of a sudden disappear from a particular area and then reappear in another area. And (laughs) it makes me wonder that, like, okay, like, you're disrespecting me? Well, peace. Like, I'm out. I'm I'm going to somewhere else. Or, like, instead of, like, disappearing from an area, I should say, like, they they'll grow really well in the particular area that year and then like the next year it's like they they don't even grow at all you know and then like Mm -hmm. moving forward they're like uh, in abundance in that same area and yeah or they'll just disappear themselves Mm -hmm. like like they'll just not be visible yeah I remember going out 
I remember going out with these people. I kind of got like forced into leading these people out on a plant walk up at Ness Creek one time. And it was really like, it was a really memorable walk because within like five or 10 minutes, I was like, no, I'm not down. Like I'm not, I'm not showing these people. They wanted some particular plant. I don't remember what it was, but they had like, the energy was all wrong. And I was like, I'm not showing them. Like, firstly, I'm not showing them that plant. I'm, I'm, I'm refuse. Like, I'm not, I'm going to not disrespect my friend by taking, bringing these like takers to them, you know? So I didn't do that, but they were looking for some other herb and we were standing around and I could see it literally everywhere and they knew it too. I can't remember which herb it was, but it was like a more common one and something that they could recognize too. And I was just like looking, I was like, oh, it's like, it's over there. There's some of it over there. And they were like, I can't see it. Can you see it? I was just like, hmm, uh, you know what it looks like, right? Like, I don't know. I get, I'm like, I just kind of played it down. <laughs> and they, yeah, I don't think they were too pleased with, with me for being like their herb guide okay. who didn't actually. <laughs> but my, my, I mean, in that, in that particular instance, my loyalty was to the forest and to the plants. It wasn't to these people that just were coming in with exactly the whole wrong energy, you know? Mm-hmm. 100%. 100% and yeah being loyal to to the plants and being loyal to nature and being loyal to right relationship not only with plants but like with everyone involved you know like is it in service to them to disrespect a plant I don't know that it is you know <laughs> and it's like it cycles and it cycles and it cycles back to like everything leading into everything like even the ecology of it all you know like or if it's not of service to this plant how is it then of service to them you know like it's it isn't a harmonic relational you know exchange (laughs) dynamic totally Mm -hmm. and when I think back on it now you know that was a long time ago and I feel like as I was telling the story or like kind of ending telling the story, I was like, and I should have said something like Mm -hmm. I should have like, and that's where, that's where I was. And that's what I like. And that's what I did was I, I, I was loyal to the plants, but I should have, I should have just said like, no, I'm not going to show you where that plant is because you're coming at it from this terrible grabby entitled straight up rude energy. And I'm, and I'm not down. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, and I didn't say anything. And like, as I think about it, I wish I would have been even in more defense of the plants. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, but that's like, that's an experience that definitely like shaped like my ongoing teaching with with people. Like I really, I really deeply feel that we have the capacity to be in right relationship with plants and that it's not that hard and it's just like living cyclically or seasonally it will come easily to us and it will ground us if we kind of let go of all of the more superficial conditioning garbage that is actually standing in our way and it will feel so much more natural and beautiful and be life-giving and energy generating once we get to that place uh, of like deconditioning so that it it just is a an easeful exchange exactly an easeful exchange and you know treating the plants like you treat another human friend (laughs) too Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. is is so important 
because they are living parts of the earth like you're a living part of the earth too and on that note thank you so so much kelsey is there anything you want to like finish off that's like really on your heart to say about anything no i feel like this was a i feel like we traversed a beautiful landscape through this conversation it feels like we took a beautiful walk through a meadow of wildflowers mm-hmm. that's how it feels yeah. <laughs> so I feel really complete and good thank you so much for this chance to chat oh, my absolute pleasure and this is just reaffirming of you know when you're in relationship with the plants and with the earth around you it's like you're being a stand for the earth <laughs> you know mm. and mm-hmm. yeah just by you being that is is like your stand for the earth and you're standing up for these plants and like your say I know like in that story you mentioned like I wish I would have like said something you know definitely yes say something and you being that also is the the saying something and the being a stand too so (laughs) yeah Yeah, we're part of the we're part of the great unfolding. Mm-hmm. Ashe. Okay, thank you so much again, and to all the listeners, we will see you again on another podcast. Peace. <laughs> if you loved what you heard today, please let me know by giving the podcast some love in the reviews, liking, commenting, and sharing with someone you love as well. As always, too, you can connect with me on Instagram at Key of Life Birthkeeper and with any of my guests with their information and details located in the description. Until next time, Ashe.